part four section fourteen of the freedom of the will by jonathan edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain the conclusion whether the things which have been alleged are liable to any tolerable answer in the way of calm intelligible and strict reasoning i must leave others to judge but i am sensible they are liable to one sort of answer it is not unlikely that some who value themselves on the supposed rational and generous principles of the modern fashionable divinity will have their indignation and disdain raised at the sight of this discourse and on perceiving what things are pretended to be proved in it and if they think it worthy of being read or of so much notice as to say much about it they may probably renew the usual exclamations with additional vehemence and contempt about the fate of the heathen hobbes's necessity and making men mere machines accumulating the terrible epithets of fatal unfrustrable inevitable irresistible etc and it may be with addition of horrid and blasphemous and perhaps much skill may be used to set forth things which have been said in colours which shall be shocking to the imaginations and moving to the passions of those who have either too little capacity or too much confidence of the opinions they have imbibed and contempt of the contrary to try the matter by any serious and circumspect examination or difficulties may be stated and insisted on which do not belong to the controversy because let them be more or less real and hard to be resolved they are not what are owing to anything distinguishing of this scheme from that of the armenians and would not be removed nor diminished by renouncing the former and adhering to the latter or some particular things may be picked out which they may think will sound harshest in the ears of the generality and these may be glossed and descanted on with tart and contemptuous words and from thence the whole discourse may be treated with triumph and insult it is easy to see how the decision of most of the points in controversy between calvinists and armenians depends on the determination of this grand article concerning the freedom of the will requisite to moral agency and that by clearing and established in the calvinistic doctrine in this point the chief arguments are obviated by which armenian doctrines in general are supported and the contrary doctrines demonstratively confirmed hereby it becomes manifest that god's moral government over mankind his treating them as moral agents making them the objects of his commands counsels calls warnings expostulations promises threatenings rewards and punishments is not inconsistent with a determining disposal of all events of every kind throughout the universe in his providence either by positive efficiency or permission indeed such an universal determining providence infers some kind of necessity of all events such a necessity as implies an infallible previous fixedness of the futurity of the event but no other necessity of moral events or volitions of intelligent agents is needful in order to this than moral necessity which does as much ascertain the futurity of the event as any other necessity but as has been demonstrated such a necessity is not at all repugnant to moral agency and a reasonable use of commands calls rewards punishments etc yea not only are objections of this kind against the doctrine of an universal determining providence 
removed by what has been said but the truth of such a doctrine is demonstrated as it has been demonstrated that the futurity of all future events is established by previous necessity either natural or moral so it is manifest that the sovereign creator and disposer of the world has ordered this necessity by ordering his own conduct either in designedly acting or forbearing to act for as the being of the world is from god so the circumstances in which it had its being at first both negative and positive must be ordered by him in one of these ways and all the necessary consequences of these circumstances must be ordered by him in god's active and positive interpositions after the world was created and the consequences of these interpositions also every instance of his forbearing to interpose and the sure consequences of this forbearance must all be determined according to his pleasure and therefore every event which is the consequence of anything whatsoever or that is connected with any foregoing thing or circumstances either positive or negative as the ground or reason of its existence must be ordered of god either by a designing efficiency and interposition or a designed forbearance to operate or interpose but as has been proved all events whatsoever are necessarily connected with something foregoing either positive or negative which is the ground of its existence it follows therefore that the whole series of events is thus connected with something in the state of things either positive or negative which is original in the series that is something which is connected with nothing preceding that but god's own immediate conduct either his acting or forbearing to act from whence it follows that as god designedly orders his own conduct and its connected consequences it must necessarily be that he designedly orders all things the things which have been said obviate some of the chief objections of armenians against the calvinistic doctrine of the total depravity and corruption of man's nature whereby his heart is wholly under the power of sin and he is utterly unable without the interposition of sovereign grace savingly to love god believe in christ or do anything that is truly good and acceptable in god's sight for the main objection against this doctrine that it is inconsistent with the freedom of man's will consisting in indifference and self-determining power because it supposes man to be under a necessity of sinning and that god requires things of him in order to his avoiding eternal damnation which he is unable to do and that this doctrine is wholly inconsistent with the sincerity of counsels invitations etc now this doctrine supposes no other necessity of sinning than a moral necessity which as has been shown does not at all excuse sin and supposes no other inability to obey any command or perform any duty even the most spiritual and exalted but a moral inability which as has been proved does not excuse persons in the non-performance of any good thing or make them not to be the proper objects of commands counsels and invitations and moreover it has been shown that there is not and never can be either in existence or so much as in idea any such freedom of will consisting in indifference and self-determination for the sake of which this doctrine of original sin is cast out and that no such freedom is necessary in order to the nature of sin and a just desert of punishment the things which have been observed do also take off the main objections of armenians against the doctrine of efficacious grace and at the same time prove the grace of god in a sinner's conversion if there be any grace or divine influence in the affair to be efficacious yea and irresistible too if by irresistible is meant that which is attended with a moral necessity which it is impossible should ever be violated by any resistance 
the main objection of armenians against this doctrine is that it is inconsistent with their self-determining freedom of will and that it is repugnant to the nature of virtue that it should be wrought in the heart by the determining efficacy and power of another instead of its being owing to a self-moving power that in that case the good which is wrought would not be our virtue but rather god's virtue because not the person in whom it is wrought is the determining author of it but god that wrought it in him but the things which are the foundation of these objections have been considered and it has been demonstrated that the liberty of moral agents does not consist in self-determining power and that there is no need of any such liberty in order to the nature of virtue nor does it at all hinder but that the state or act of the will may be the virtue of the subject though it be not from self-determination but the determination of an intrinsic cause even so as to cause the event to be morally necessary to the subject of it and as it has been proved that nothing in the state or acts of the will of man is contingent but that on the contrary every event of this kind is necessary by a moral necessity and has also been now demonstrated that the doctrine of an universal determining providence follows from that doctrine of necessity which was proved before and so that god does decisively in his providence order all the volitions of moral agents either by positive influence or permission and it being allowed on all hands that what god does in the affair of man's virtuous volitions whether it be more or less is by some positive influence not by mere permission as in the affair of a sinful volition if we put these things together it will follow that god's assistance or influence must be determining and decisive or must be attended with a moral necessity of the event and so that god gives virtue holiness and conversion to sinners by an influence which determines the effect in such a manner that the effect will infallibly follow by a moral necessity which is what calvinists mean by efficacious and irresistible grace the things which have been said do likewise answer the chief objections against the doctrine of god's universal and absolute decree and afford infallible proof of this doctrine and of the doctrine of absolute eternal personal election in particular the main objections against these doctrines are that they infer a necessity of the volitions of moral agents and of the future moral state and acts of men and so are not consistent with those eternal rewards and punishments which are connected with conversion and impenitence nor can be made to agree with the reasonableness and sincerity of the precepts calls counsels warnings and expostulations of the word of god or with the various methods and means of grace which god uses with sinners to bring them to repentance and the whole of that moral government which god exercises towards mankind and that they infer an inconsistence between the secret and revealed will of god and make god the author of sin but all these things have been obviated in the preceding discourse and the certain truth of these doctrines concerning god's eternal purposes will follow from what was just now observed concerning god's universal providence how it infallibly follows from what has been proved that god orders all events and the volitions of moral agents amongst others by such a decisive disposal that the events are infallibly connected with his disposal for if god disposes all events so that the infallible existence of the events is decided by his providence then doubtless he thus orders and decides all things knowingly and on design god does not do what he does nor order what he orders accidentally and unawares either without or beside his intention and if there be a foregoing design of doing and ordering as he does this is the same with a purpose or decree and as it has been shown that nothing is new to god in any respect but all things are perfectly and equally in his view from eternity 
hence it will follow that his designs or purposes are not things formed anew founded on any new views or appearances but are all eternal purposes and as it has been now shown how the doctrine of determining efficacious grace certainly follows from things proved in the foregoing discourse hence will necessarily follow the doctrine of particular eternal absolute election for if men are made true saints no otherwise than as god makes them so and distinguishes them from others by his efficacious power and influence that decides and fixes the event and god thus makes some saints and not others on design or purpose and as has been now observed no designs of god are new it follows that god thus distinguished from others all that ever become true saints by his eternal design or decree i might also show how god's certain foreknowledge must suppose an absolute decree and how such a decree can be proved to a demonstration from it but that this discourse may not be lengthened out too much that must be omitted for the present from these things it will inevitably follow that however christ in some sense may be said to die for all and to redeem all visible christians yea the whole world by his death yet there must be something particular in the design of his death with respect to such as he intended should actually be saved thereby as appears by what has been now shown god has the actual salvation or redemption of a certain number in his proper absolute design and of a certain number only and therefore such a design only can be prosecuted in anything god does in order to the salvation of men god pursues a proper design of the salvation of the elect in giving christ to die and prosecutes such a design with respect to no other most strictly speaking for it is impossible that god should prosecute any other design than only such as he has he certainly does not in the highest propriety and strictness of speech pursue a design that he has not and indeed such a particularity and limitation of redemption will as infallibly follow from the doctrine of god's foreknowledge as from that of the decree for it is as impossible in strictness of speech that god should prosecute a design or aim at a thing which he at the same time most perfectly knows will not be accomplished as that he should use endeavours for that which is beside his decree by the things which have been proved are obviated some of the main objections against the doctrine of the infallible and necessary perseverance of saints and some of the main foundations of this doctrine are established the main prejudices of armenians against this doctrine seem to be these they suppose such a necessary infallible perseverance to be repugnant to the freedom of the will that it must be owing to man's own self-determining power he first becomes virtuous and holy and so in like manner it must be left a thing contingent to be determined by the same freedom of will whether he will persevere in virtue and holiness and that otherwise his continuing steadfast in faith and obedience would not be his virtue or at all praiseworthy and rewardable nor could his perseverance be properly the matter of divine commands counsels and promises nor as apostasy be properly threatened and men warned against it whereas we find all these things in scripture there we find steadfastness and perseverance in true christianity represented as the virtue of the saints spoken of as praiseworthy in them and glorious rewards promised to it and also find that god makes it the subject of his commands counsels and promises and the contrary of threatenings and warnings but the foundation of these objections has been removed by showing that moral necessity and infallible certainty of events is not inconsistent with these things and that as to freedom of will lying in the power of the will to determine itself there neither is any such thing nor is there any need of it in order to virtue reward commands counsels etc and as the doctrines of efficacious grace and absolute election do certainly follow 
from the things proved in the preceding discourse so some of the main foundations of the doctrine of perseverance are thereby established if the beginning of true faith and holiness and a man becoming a true saint at first does not depend on the self-determining power of the will but on the determining efficacious grace of god it may well be argued that it is also with respect to men being continued saints or persevering in faith and holiness the conversion of a sinner being not owing to a man's self-determination but to god's determination and eternal election which is absolute and depending on the sovereign will of god and not on the free will of man as is evident from what has been said it being very evident from the scriptures that the eternal election of saints to faith and holiness is also an election of them to eternal salvation hence their appointment to salvation must also be absolute and not depending on their contingent self-determining will from all which it follows that it is absolutely fixed in god's decree that all true saints shall persevere to actual eternal salvation but i must leave all these things to the consideration of the impartial reader and when he has maturely weighed them i would propose it to his consideration whether many of the first reformers and others that succeeded them whom god in their day made the chief pillars of his church and the greatest instruments of their deliverance from error and darkness and of the support of the cause of piety among them have not been injured in the contempt with which they have been treated by many late writers for their teaching and maintaining such doctrines as are commonly called calvinistic indeed some of these new writers at the same time that they have represented the doctrines of these ancient and eminent divines as in the highest degree ridiculous and contrary to common sense in an ostentation of a very generous charity have allowed that they were honest well-meaning men yea it may be some of them as though it were in great condescension and compassion to them have allowed that they did pretty well for the day in which they lived and considering the great disadvantages they laboured under when at the same time their manner of speaking has naturally and plainly suggested to the minds of their readers that they were persons who through the lowness of their genius and the greatness of the bigotry with which their minds were shackled and their thoughts confined living in the gloomy caves of superstition fondly embraced and demurely and zealously taught the most absurd silly and monstrous opinions worthy of the greatest contempt of gentlemen possessed of that noble and generous freedom of thought which happily prevails in this age of light and inquiry when indeed such is the case that we might if so disposed speak as big words as they and on far better grounds and really all the armenians on earth might be challenged without arrogance or vanity to make these principles of theirs wherein they mainly differ from their fathers whom they so much despise consistent with common sense yea and perhaps to produce any doctrine ever embraced by the blindest bigot of the church of rome or the most ignorant muscle man or extravagant enthusiast that might be reduced to more demonstrable inconsistencies and repugnances to common sense and to themselves though their inconsistencies indeed may not lie so deep or be so artfully veiled by a deceitful ambiguity of words and an indeterminate signification of phrases i will not deny that these gentlemen many of them are men of great abilities and have been helped to higher attainments in philosophy than those ancient divines and have done great service to the church of god in some respects but i humbly conceive that their differing from their fathers with such magisterial assurance in these points in divinity must be owing to some other cause than superior wisdom it may also be worthy of consideration whether the great alteration which has been made in the state of things in our nation and some other parts of the protestant world in this and the past age by exploding so generally calvinistic doctrines 
an alteration so often spoken of as worthy to be greatly rejoiced in by the friends of truth learning and virtue as an instance of the great increase of light in the christian church be indeed a happy change owing to any such cause as an increase of true knowledge and understanding in the things of religion or whether there is not reason to fear that it may be owing to some worse cause and i desire it may be considered whether the boldness of some writers may not deserve to be reflected on who have not scrupled to say that if these and those things are true which yet appear to be the demonstrable dictates of reason as well as the certain dictates of the mouth of the most high then god is unjust and cruel and guilty of manifest deceit and double dealing and the like yea some have gone so far as confidently to assert that if any book which pretends to be scripture teaches such doctrines that alone is sufficient warrant for mankind to reject it as what cannot be the word of god some who have not gone so far have said that if the scripture seems to teach any such doctrines so contrary to reason we are obliged to find out some other interpretation of those texts where such doctrines seem to be exhibited others express themselves yet more modestly they express a tenderness and religious fear lest they should receive and teach anything that should seem to reflect on god's moral character or be a disparagement to his methods of administration and his moral government and therefore express themselves as not daring to embrace some doctrines though they seem to be delivered in scripture according to the more obvious and natural construction of the words but indeed it would show a truer modesty and humility if they would more entirely rely on god's wisdom and discernment who knows infinitely better than we what is agreeable to his own perfections and never intended to leave these matters to the decision of the wisdom and discernment of men but by his own unerring instruction to determine for us what the truth is knowing how little our judgment is to be depended on and how extremely prone vain and blind men are to err in such matters the truth of the case is that if the scripture plainly taught the opposite doctrines to those that are so much stumbled at viz the armenian doctrine of free will and others depending thereon it would be the greatest of all difficulties that attend the scriptures incomparably greater than its containing any even the most mysterious of those doctrines of the first reformers which our late freethinkers have so superciliously exploded indeed it is a glorious argument of the divinity of the holy scriptures that they teach such doctrines which in one age and another through the blindness of men's minds and strong prejudices of their hearts are rejected as most absurd and unreasonable by the wise and great men of the world which yet when they are most carefully and strictly examined appear to be exactly agreeable to the most demonstrable certain and natural dictates of reason by such things it appears that the foolishness of god is wiser than men first corinthians one nineteen twenty for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise i will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this world hath not god made foolish the wisdom of this world and as it was in time past so probably it will be in time to come as it is also written verses twenty seven through twenty nine but god hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and god hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath god chosen yea and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence amen end of part four section fourteen